What's up, guy? What is up, guy? Welcome back to what Josue has to say. If you're new here, I'm Josue, and this is what I have to say. Before we begin, please remember to like, subscribe, share, comment, do all the things, as it does help the podcast grow. And if you ain't growing, you're rotten. Today's episode. A few episodes back, I did an episode on the health of Biscayne Bay and how important it is for our ecology, our economy, and everything else in Miami. Without Biscayne Bay and our surrounding waters, we would not have a Miami. So today's guest leverages out a bit. Anya, welcome on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So Anya, I found your company through Francis Suarez Instagram, I believe. I don't think you guys met or he, he promoted you guys at some point. He the did? Mayor. I didn't know. That's yeah, nice that, of him. Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of him, but that's fine. You know, like, I also had a weird meeting. <laughs> yeah, he was in a, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about that no, now, no, we no, can no, talk about it. It's not like we're on camera or anything. But uh, no, I saw, I saw what you guys do and I thought it was... You know, it was amazing. Wherever you stand, I think, so let, let me give a little background. Anya does these living seawalls, correct? That they kind of help with sea level rise specifically for Miami, right? That's right, yeah. So wherever you stand on the whole, you know, political spectrum of is climate change real or is it a hoax from China? It doesn't really matter. I think objectively speaking, as Miamians, we can see shit's flooding. This Shit's getting worse. You know what I mean? Uh, dependent on wherever you stand, you can see, you can physically see the water rising and you guys have some data on your, uh, website that I'll share a little later, but give us a little feedback. Why Miami? How did you get into this? Uh, what are the seawalls made of? We can all go, we can get through that bit by bit, but give me some background on, on you and the company. Yeah, sure. So before this living seawall life, I had a completely different life. I, um, I'm originally from Ukraine. <clears throat> I grew up in Beersheba in Israel. Okay. And I came to the United States when my dad got a job at the space program. So it's like a very Soviet family. My dad is a rocket scientist. My mom's a gymnastics teacher. That's we, really interesting. Yeah, it's just cute. And we all showed up here when I was in high school. We moved to Maine, a small town in New England. And eventually I went to law school, like the good immigrant child. It was basically my parents' American dream for us, me to go to law school. My brother went to medical school. He was also corrupted and he now has an AI startup. But we were- <laughs> Why corrupted? <laughs> my mom was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's taking leave of absence from Harvard and she's still disappointed. But oh anyways, we were on the righteous path in the beginning. In my like parents most eyes. immigrants, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's how I ended up in Miami because I got a scholarship to UM Law. Gotcha. I've actually never been to Miami before that, but I was excited about a scholarship, like a good Jewish girl, you know, would love a discount. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so that's the reason, really, for the primary reason I accepted. And from the moment I arrived, I just fell in love with the city because having lived everywhere, I finally felt at home here because everyone's like me. Everyone speaks a million languages. There's so many cultures. It's just like a very like juicy life, I feel, here. Uh, which is very aligned with, you know, with me. And so I said, I'm never leaving. Like, this is it. And I graduated law school. I worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office in human trafficking. Wow. I had my own law firm eventually. And then just like you said, you know, just living here, I started to notice, like, things are not okay. I had a house with all my girlfriends in South Beach for seven years. We called it the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole. Why did you call it the rabbit hole? <laughs> I have no idea. It was just cute. We're yeah, all... okay. <laughs> and yeah, this my, the, the, oh yeah, past life. Anyways, we had this really cute house on 10th and Jefferson, if you know South Beach. Yeah. And we would get flooded. Like when I first moved here, it happened like once a year. And then it happened once a month. And then it was like, 
pretty frequently we had severe floods where our cars were getting flooded more like knee deep in water in our driveway so i just noticed that there was a lot more frequent flooding more intense storm surges and flooding and so i just became very curious about what's going on and when i started researching the space i saw there was a lot of attention on the problem of rising sea levels and flooding but the narrative was just doom and gloom People were selling books and writing articles, and it's really basically enjoy Miami while you can because we'll all be underwater by 2060, but 2100. Well, it's a least. good way to capitalize on it, you know? Yeah. That's how people are. I know, but I hated those books. Yeah, I'm with you. And they have great <laughs> book covers, you know, like, and the uh, Rolling Stones did a cover article. The title of the article was literally Goodbye, Miami. Jesus. But for me, the conversation is lame. It's boring. You know, it's, it's easy to say. It's stand. lazy. Yes. Yeah, and uncreative. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. So I said, wow, there's no opportunity here. How can we apply technology? How can we converge existing technologies? And also, I'll also take advantage of all the new talent that's moving to the city, right, um, in the last few years. And so when I realized that nobody else was going to do it, I just put together the team, and together we came up with this solution which is an adaptation to rising sea levels, which is 3D printing living seawalls. There it is. And so we have now a warehouse here 10 minutes away from, your, from the studio, and we have the world's fastest concrete 3D printer. It's a big robot. You 3D prints with concrete. You have to see it in person. I know you've seen the videos, but when you see it in person, it's pretty amazing. Sure, I'll be down to see it in person. That sounds cool. No, people, especially guys, when they come yeah. in, they just go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it prints a 10-foot wall 10 by 10 foot panel in an hour i mean just kind of like literally it's like smoking in like, an hour like, yeah holy shit and before this method traditionally it would take 24 hours so it's like exponentially faster it's unbelievable and in many ways our seawalls are identical to traditional seawalls and that's to meet the building codes to be able to be already in the water mm -hmm. so it's exactly the same strength as a regular seawall it's the same dimensions and it's the same installation method so you can use the same crew, the same equipment to put in our panels. But because we're 3D printing ours, instead of using molds, first of all, we're making them exponentially faster, like I said. But second is we have freedom of design. So I can print a flat concrete wall, sure, but very little, little at a time and at a cost, I can incorporate really cool design principles that make this not only a wall, but then also marine habitat. So our living seawalls have these, this, they biomimic uh, mangrove roots. I've seen them. They have like this, some curves exactly. and waves Exactly, Because yeah. mangrove roots are a natural seawall. <clears throat> it's a marine habitat. Right. Yep. And the, the, the key is that it has caves. When you have a structure with caves, sea life can hide from predators. So it encourages them to attach. So our living seawalls have this design on the face of it, which, which biomimics mangrove roots, creates all of these crevices and caves for sea life to attach and hide from predators. And so it becomes a living marine habitat. And as all these organisms attach, they start to sequester carbon just naturally through biocalcification. And our seawalls have built-in sensors that collect 15 different water quality parameters, and there's no added cost. There's no green premium. Our living seawalls are cheaper than traditional toxic walls. That is wild. So what makes these non-toxic as you said they were made of concrete? So how is how are the other ones toxic and these aren't? Sure, two ways. So traditional seawalls destroy marine habitats for mm. two reasons. One is they leach chemicals. Traditional concrete can leach. And two is just because they're flat. 
So imagine all the sea life that was living by the coast. Once you put in a flat wall, it can attach to this wall. So it just migrates. So it basically so it goes elsewhere, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's those organisms that eat the toxins in the water. So when they leave, the quality of water goes down almost 50% within one year of installing a regular seawall. Wow. So in the U.S. alone, just by installing <clears throat> traditional seawalls, we will destroy 50,000 miles of marine habitats by 2040. That's like driving from here to LA and back 17 times. So at Kind Designs, we're replacing all those toxic walls with artificial reefs. So you mentioned sensors. Tell me a little bit more about that. Where do you place them on the walls? How do they communicate back to, I guess, your computer? Or how do you collect the data, store it, all that stuff? Sure. So we have a partner called Duro, D-U-R-O, in New York. Mm -hmm. And they have kind of democratized sensors because water sensors just a couple years ago were extremely expensive because you needed a separate sensor for each parameter that you wanted to track. So we track 15 parameters. Um, we would need 15 sensors, and each sensor is five to $30,000. Holy shit. It would be totally cost prohibitive. It would cost more than the seawall. They were able to put 15 sensors into one, and it only cost us as their partner $5,000. And it's like the size of a fluorescent light bulb. And so we put one of these sensors per project, not on every panel, but on every seawall, so on every project. It's placed on the outside of the wall so the water can flow through it freely, okay. about one foot above the ground. <clears throat> and we calibrate it twice a year, and there's a small antenna on top of the seawall, it's like five inches, and it sends information directly to our dashboard. So it's live. 24-7, and the seawalls communicate with each other. So the more seawalls we install... You mean they communicate with each other? Yeah, it's amazing. So it becomes like a neurological network of information. Kind of like trees in the bottom, exactly. like the roots. Yeah, and you can do amazing analytics with that information. Like? Algae blooms. So that's a big problem in Florida. Yeah, we have the, the sargassum invade every, every season. So when you can predict the algae bloom timing, you can take... The, do some mitigative efforts right. to curtail it. Also, extreme weather forecasting is another example. Right now, weather is forecasted through satellite information. It's 70% accurate. When you actually use uh, water information, it can be up to 95% accurate. So there's companies out there, there now who are paying... Uh, what uh, makes one more reliable than the other one? Do you I know? have no idea. No? But they're the ones who buy our data. Gotcha. But just an example of how you can do analytics on this information. So we're right now exploring ways to monetize this data, also to give it to universities, to research centers, because it's something that's valuable. It's yeah. valuable, and it's never been done at scale. And also the, the fact that they can communicate adds a lot of interesting yeah, information. That is fascinating. How far out would these seawalls live? Um, a lot of people, you know, think of seawalls as eyesores. You know, you would never want them. And I know the... There was a, an article published, I think twice, the U.S. Army Corps. I don't know if you saw those disgusting seawalls that they kind of like... You I know. like how you call them corps. Is it? <laughs> corps. Corps, not corps. Sorry. <laughs> my, my did education. Um, no, no, I did, I did the same thing. So, you know, I, that's, a, that's a big issue for a lot of people. So how far out would these be? You know, things of that nature. Sure. So I'm very familiar with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers report because it's what made me realize that we can grow this into a multi-billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. When I first was looking at it, I was like, oh, maybe it's something like a nonprofit, could do something nice for the environment. And then I, I realized, no, we can, this is actually an incredible opportunity to blend economics with, with global environmental impact 
and to grow a multi-billion dollar company because they put out a report showing how much they're going to spend on seawalls. So I think that's probably what you said. Yeah, it's massive. In the U.S., we'll spend $400 billion <laughs> on seawalls. huge. And Florida, by far, is the number one state, $76 billion by 2040. And it, they listed top 10 cities, wh- which will be hardest hit by rising sea levels and which will need to spend the most on seawalls. Miami number one? By far. <laughs> New York City was number two and only half. Half the seawalls, half the spend, and of the top 10 cities, five are in Florida. So it's an amazing place to innovate. That's why we've had so much support from the government, from investors, because they really get the need for this solution, but also the economic opportunity for that. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Let me ask you, Anya, and feel free to not answer, because I know everything's politicized these days and, you know, all that that bullshit. Um, When it comes to sea level rise, do you authentically believe that it's um, something that earth just kind of does naturally or do we exacerbate it to such a degree that you know we're causing our own demise type of thing where do you kind of like as an owner of this company where where are your your ideas at with that i actually think that what we're doing is very (coughs) bipartisan and that it should be apparently it's not these days but it should be yeah i agree with you is the economics of it okay Okay, so of course, for a lot of people who are very passionate about rising sea levels and, and, and are environmentalists, I don't need to sell this. This makes sense, right? 100%. Because not only are we saving coastal communities, but we're also doing something that's nurturing the underwater ecosystem. So it makes sense. But if you're on the other side of the aisle, you may not think that sea levels are rising that much or that they... That, that even though it's completely measurable and observable. like, But, yeah. but even... I, I agree with you, <laughs> yes. But even if you didn't believe that... What I can tell you is that you can save a lot of money by using living seawalls instead of toxic concrete 100%. panels. So you will you can use this technology because it makes economic sense to you, even if that environmental piece is not important. So that was really important for me is to find this economic vehicle that everyone can get excited about and then to attach the environmental impact onto it almost as a bonus so i don't need to sell you that sea levels are rising that climate is changing it doesn't matter because you can make the decision to use these living seawalls just because it makes economic sense to you and that's fine with me i don't care why you decide to use it it's a great political answer (laughs) (laughs) but you answered the question yeah no i completely agree um and like i said i don't know why it's well, it's a, such a question. I mean, and personally, and, and my viewers know, I'm more on the right side of the aisle for many things. But I also see, like, what's observable is observable. You know, if you can if you can see streets that are flooding more often and that weren't flooding before, it's like, well, something's happening. You know, like, that's, that's something that you can't really uh, push away. Uh, I also want your thoughts. There's a, all this, you know, like you said, um, noise around Miami sinking, Miami sinking. But we're seeing the biggest influx of wealth and investment coming to Miami. Jeff Bezos just bought his second $70 million home on Indian Creek. Yeah, you know what else he did? He bought an island where he can park, just a personal parking spot for his yacht. So we're bidding, <laughs> we're, we're bidding on putting living seawalls around that island. Get out. Yeah, That's cool fucking that cool. Yeah. Well, that was my question. If someone like so much wealth, Jeff Bezos is just one example of it. If they would, they would take into account, hey, if I'm parking all my money here and this place is going to be gone in 10, 20 years, what the fuck am I doing? Why are these people, in your mind, why would you think these people are, are parking all this money if they have that, that information? You know, they have access to, to data, scientists to, to measure out, hey, can, is this a healthy uh, financial investment? 
No, it's a good point. But also, I think 2060, right? That's kind of the deadline they set is for my... Far, is it, a far... It may feel... Although it's in our lifetime, obviously, it feels far off Well, not enough. for his, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you're not, because we're such <laughs> fresh little ducklings. But <laughs> it's in our lifetime, yet it feels far enough where it may not seem so urgent. That's a good point. Yeah, but at the same time, people are betting on Miami in many, many ways. And we see, you know, obviously very smart and very wealthy people are moving here, which is a great sign for our city. But I also think someone like him, you know, they understand the power of technology and especially the power of converging different technologies. So they never have this mindset of like, oh, well, nothing we can do. You know, we're just going to move. That's true. They, so they feel powerful. They're not in fear. Yeah. They're not in fear. That's a, very, that's a very, very, very good point. I didn't think of it that way, but that's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, if you can, tell me more about that island. Yeah, that sounds really cool. No, I don't know much about it, honestly. It's just that he bought a property where... Do you know where the ferries leave from Miami Beach to go to Fisher, Fisher Island? Island? Yeah. It's right next to that. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty cool parking spot. Fisher yeah. Island is literally the most expensive zip code in the United States. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's hilarious that he just bought this random little island next to Fisher Island to just, you know, dock my yacht because exactly. just another day in the life of... <laughs> yeah, Jay Pesos. Hey, but we'll do the Living Seawall. We're super pumped. That'd yeah. be super cool, man. Yeah. And also, we're looking into like the seawalls. You have to see it in the water. It's really cool to see it printing in the, in the warehouse. But once it's installed, and we put our first seawall in the water October 3rd, once it's installed. Where is it at? It's in Miami. Well, yeah, but where? It's, on the, <laughs> it's in a canal on Biscayne and 89. Okay. And the next project is going to be very big public press release and all that is actually on pine tree so it's a beautiful okay. house on the beach property the house will be built next uh, they just demolished the old house mm -hmm. uh 54 uh, 64th and pine tree and uh we're doing the living seawall it's 120 feet so 12 of our panels and they're demolishing the dock right now where to deliver these panels they'll be in the water in the next couple of weeks that's amazing yeah. how deep do they go like into the actual ocean like floor so they're 10 feet high on average we can do any size usually mm -hmm. they're 10 feet high two feet go underground so they kind of get driven underground and then the remaining eight feet half is underwater and half is above which is what i want to say about the aesthetics of them yeah that's so right now awesome. they're already really they are extraordinary when you see them in the water because you can see the depth of the caves when the water goes through it. But what we're the depth of the what? Sorry, the, the depth of all the caves. Oh, you mean they're like the, the, the caves design. and the design? Right. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. Once the water flows through them, it's really, really beautiful. But on top of that, we're also looking into working with some artists to create like living art walls. So that not only will they have these crevices, nooks and crevices for sea lift to hide from predators and attach, but we can also do really beautiful designs aesthetics yeah aesthetics and there's also some tax benefits by the way if you install a living art wall in your backyard and it can be enjoyed from a public space it becomes public art yeah. so we're looking into ways to make it that's a really good idea yeah, to create some tax benefits around that but working with like global artists is something really really elevated i was just gonna say because you you mentioned that you're installing these in the back of a residence right on pine tree so if I was the the owner, I'd be like, hey, if it's 3D printed, can you just design like the upper half to look like a certain way? Like, like your wife or something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. Whatever it is, uh, you okay. know. That's what 3D printing has all traditionally <clears throat> been used for. Like smaller scale 3D mm -hmm. printing is to free customization. I mean, literally, my designer will come up with a design at 9 a.m. And by noon, we're already printing it. So it's really That's easy for crazy. us to augment the design and just bring it to life. Um, Miami. Hurricanes. Have you guys tested that? What would that look like? The impact of these storms growing, not growing? Have you guys thought about that? And if you have, how would you test the 
Sure. Well, the building codes already incorporate that into the requirements. So, for example, the concrete, the materials have to have a certain strength. It's measured in PSI. So ours has that strength. It also has to be reinforced with uh, rebar um, that's spaced a certain way. So ours, that's why I was saying our seawalls are identical to traditional seawalls in those ways that meet the building codes, which take into ex- account the pressures from of the hurricanes. hurricanes. Exactly. That's awesome. Um government regulations all that stuff that's have you had any well i guess you just answered that question if it's already approved by by the regular seawalls and exactly. you have nothing nothing more even if it. you have a project that's already been permitted because they know maybe it takes like two years to get a permit which is a nightmare when your house is getting flooded yeah but right now imagine. and we are working on something to to address that but for now it takes two years to get a permit even if we meet someone that already got a permit right and they just it's been two years they just got clearance to start construction in their application for the permit, they specify what kind of panels, seawall panels, they were going to make. So we make them the panels to meet those exact specifications. So we customize it to what they already got permitted so they don't have to start the process over. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, I was going to kind of thinking while you were speaking, um, which is something that I've expressed before, and it's how, I mean, seawalls, you know, they're needed, but... I was reading articles about how coastal cities and overdevelopment contribute to the sinking of a city. Um, and Miami's no stranger to overdevelopment. Clearly, we see it all the time. It's, it's in every corner. Uh, have you been involved in those conversations? Have you heard about that? I've been very vocal about that, like specifically for like our mayors and see what they do. But obviously, not giving developers the right of way doesn't seem like an option for them. So what's your take on that? No, I don't really have an opinion. As a capitalist, you know, as like an immigrant here, I I love development and seeing my city change and evolve, I think in many wonderful ways since I moved here 13 years ago. Mm. Also, I love, for example, our county. It requires every commercial construction project, right, any developer to contribute a portion of that towards public art or to create these parks. We're seeing more parks, right? Oh, which is important, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I haven't seen that in another city. So, And we have that amazing like bike path that goes 80 blocks um, on Miami Beach. Uh, well, it's not called a bike path. You know what I'm talking about. The, the, the uh, boardwalk. Boardwalk, there you go. Yeah, like yeah. we have amazing public... I'm on there every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. We have amazing public spaces. So I think as long as there's a balance between public spaces and also a lot of consideration for aesthetics um, and development, I think we can come up with, with yeah, something really... Yeah, really special here. But you know much more about this topic. It's, I th- and I'm, I'm so hyper-focused on rising sea levels and sea walls. I'm not as aware of these other conversations in this space. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I just figured, you know, they kind of like, not go hand in hand, but they have their similarities. So I figured, you know, I'd ask you. So cost, what would this look like for, who? well, number one, who is this available for? To, for? Is it just, you know, you said there was someone that just bought a home. So clearly residents as well as um Regular government? Have you been in talks with local government or what's that? Sure. So our business model for starters is just (coughs) B2B. All we do is we we mass produce these panels. Business to business for those that don't. Exactly. Business to business. (laughs) We are not a construction company. We're a 3D printing company and we have it down to a science. So we print a panel every hour, all day, every day. That's it. We sell these panels to construction company, coastal construction companies, and they use them for their seawall projects. So they do the installation, they do all the permitting. We're a vendor. Vendor. 
But right now, since we've had uh, a lot of support from media, local media, last few weeks, really, a few months, we do have had a lot of people contacting us who are the end users. So the homeowners, or whether it's the government, and they want these living seawalls, so we would just connect them <coughs> with a... If they have someone they're already working with, we can just give them the panels. So we're not replacing anybody, right? Which is a big concern for robotics companies, mm-hmm. but this is not the case with ours because we work together with construction companies. Um, so we would connect them with someone we worked with in the past, or we can work with someone that, that's local for them. I love that. Um, and again, the reason I invited you on is because myself, I'm a capitalist as well, but I see the dark side of capitalism. So I like when people like yourself, you know, build a company with other things in mind that, that matter, you know, like the, the, the health of the ocean and, you know, just environment in general. So I think it comes from that looking through a lens in construction. <clears throat> obviously, it's been kind of like the same people doing the same thing for so long. It, our customers, all these coastal construction companies, almost all of them are third generation. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, they're passed on. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like the yeah. grandfather started this in the 50s, right? And the father and now the sons. I've met someone's fourth generation. It's Get amazing. The fuck out. That's yeah. crazy. And, and, and that's not unusual. That's like the norm. Yeah. So it's amazing. But because it's been the same people looking at this problem, they've come up with kind of this, the same solutions. Like the first seawall we put in the water in the 50s is almost exactly the seawall we're putting in the water today. So being a total outsider to construction, and also I think being a, a woman, I looked at it through a very different lens. And that's how we came up with a product that's so, I think, much more inclusive of both of both people and also sea life, right? And the health of our oceans, but still doing it in a way that makes total economic sense, sense. and is very uh, uh, robust and structural and structurally equivalent to regular seawalls. Um, kind of throwing it back to what you said, woman in a man's kind of world. How does that feel? How do you navigate? Do you feel any pushback or you're just oh, like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. We just hired our 10th employee and it was actually the first woman I hired. Get out. And people were giving me a hard time. Like you need to be more inclusive, hire women. I'm like, find me a woman who wants to lift a 50 pound of concrete every Great 30 fucking seconds. point. Yeah. You, you know, like, and I, I love my, my guys are, I talk about them all the time because I have so much freedom in that I couldn't hire guys and I say guy because they are guys I couldn't hire guys who had experience 3d printing concrete with robots it's like such a new technology it's almost impossible it's like one company in Austin called yeah, Icon printing houses right so you can't find someone that experience there's no degree for that which just like totally liberated me I got the opportunity to hire people who were just like just like badass love to build like like just like love to get dirty (laughs) work hard and that's how we came up with this crew but being strong is definitely a big requirement you know that for the initial team now they were doing more business development a hardest amazing girl named charlotte she started last week she's like a bodybuilder or something <laughs> no she's super she's super athletic too yeah you should see like the whole like i don't know why but just we kind designs kind of attracts like this certain type of person that's just like like yeah just like really strong athletic and yeah just has this awesome attitude like my guys are there till like midnight sometimes just because well, they have a passion stuff. for it probably yeah. yeah like how cool is it to be the first in the world to do something it is like, pretty great to be cool, pioneers yeah. to be around robots and have they have so much freedom like do they come up with an idea and then we just build a prototype but we just 3d print this so yeah they're awesome how do you build your prototypes we have uh well we literally have like well for the seawalls there's no prototype we just print it yeah but we have prototypes for other solutions you know and we literally have invention day because the guys come up with a lot of ideas throughout the 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 week so we have one day it's invention day innovation exactly and they get to build a prototype of some of the ideas that they came up with 
That's fascinating. It's fun. Yeah, it's really, really fun. You're welcome to come by. Hell yeah, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go and, and see it, you know, in action. Um, I think it's fascinating. Again, I, I saw your videos and I was like, I, well, I want to hear more about this. So the only thing Francis Suarez has contributed that's positive. <laughs> <laughs> Anya, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Love this conversation. Is there anything that you'd like to end the pod with? Any anything you want to plug your socials, website, any information people may want to reach out to you? Yeah, sure. We're really active on Instagram. It's at Kind Designs Official, uh, so everyone can follow us there. And we're always looking for if you know anyone that needs seawalls, you know, or uh, if you're a homeowner or a builder or an HOA, we're super excited just to spread the word. Thanks a lot for helping us. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all the time we got for today. Thank you for joining. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Again, please like, share, subscribe, comment, do all the things to help the podcast grow. And that's it. Have yourselves a good day. And like always, no se metan con nadie para que nadie se los meta. Have a good one.